0: Good evening. good evening, church, family, and friends. righty, let's pray. Good to see all of y'all. Happy New Year's. Good. First Bible study of the year. Look at the a lot of good turnout. All right, Father, thank you, Lord, for who you are, Lord, and you load us daily with benefits, Lord. You know what we need before we ask. And so, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would give us wisdom, Lord, put a hedge around us, Keep us in the hours we live in and the day we live in. Strengthen us. Lord Jesus, we pray, Lord, that you would um, let your word be a lamp into our feet, a light into our path, Lord. We, we, we love you, Lord. We know you care about us. and So, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen our hands and our feet, Lord, and, and that we would walk in such a way that we could redeem the times. And so, Lord, I pray Bless your word tonight, Lord. Lord, your word is a lamp to our feet, is a light into our path. Lord, it makes wise the simple ones. So, Lord, I pray, teach us the things we don't know, the things that we do, Lord. Make them an anchor to our soul. We love you, we honor you, we praise you. It is in Jesus' name we pray and for his sake, amen. you have a Bible, turn with us to 1 Chronicles chapter 16. And we will read through this um, chapter. We'll do one chapter. There's a lot in this chapter um, that I think is worth taking on time going through. So instead of rushing through doing two chapters tonight, let's just do this one chapter, pretty long chapter, but it's, it's a good chapter. And so First Chronicles 16, verse 1, let's read, So they brought the ark of God, and set it in the midst of the tabernacle. And this is also mentioned in um, 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 17 through 19. So that David had erected for it. Then they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before God. So God is in the midst of his people. He is the central reason why they are all gathering the, the nation coming together to worship the lord to for adoration of the lord for laudation of the lord not not for king david but the king of glory this is why we come to church not for a man or, or a pastor beyond a pulpit or anything you come to church for the lord jesus says with two or three Are gathered in my name, he says, I am there in the midst. That's what the Bible says. I am there in the midst. So he's in the midst of us. Wherever we, you know, you come to church again, it's just a building. By the time the end of the night hit, when we leave out of here, it's just a building. When we come in here, Jesus is here before us. He beat us here. You know, he comes in here and he walks in here. And not only does he walk in here before we walk in here, he knows exactly what everybody needs when they walk through the door. So he's in the midst of the nation of Israel. This is a new tabernacle. They offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before God. These offerings of communion with God and to and before God, the nation comes together. And it says, and when David had finished offering the burnt offerings, And the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. After being consecrated, set aside unto the Lord, David is in fellowship with the living God. And and this is the only time that we can bless the Lord, you know, in in the body of Christ, in Jesus Christ. When we're in fellowship with the Lord, we can be in fellowship with other people. So it's almost like, remember the Lord instructed Moses to speak to Aaron and to the children of Israel. And he said, you know, speak to Aaron, Moses, and his sons, and say to Aaron and his sons, this is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, the Lord bless thee, the Lord keep thee, the Lord make his face shine upon thee, and be gracious to thee, the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee, and give thee peace. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them. God is in the business of what? Blessing us. You know, King David's son Solomon, some years later, he'll stand before the assembly of Israel and so it was when he had finished praying all this prayer and supplication to the Lord that he arose before the altar of heaven, of the Lord rather, Um, From nailing on his knees with his hands spread out to heaven, then he stood and blessed all the assembly of Israel with a loud voice saying, blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel according to all that he promised. There has not failed one word of all his good promise, which he promised through his servant Moses. We can only bless people when we ourselves are in fellowship with the living God. That's when you are blessed. And then it says, Then he distributed to everyone in Israel, both man and woman, to everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake of raisins. This is a good day. The Lord makes provision for everyone. And he, meaning David, no one else in the Bible is named David. David. Remember the end of his life? He wasn't called King David. When you read about David's life, at the end of his life, In 2 Samuel 23, 1, he's called the sweet psalmist of Israel. And this is, and he appointed some of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord, to commemorate or invoke, to thank, and to praise the Lord God of Israel. We should always have these three things before we worship the Lord, commemorate, to thank and to praise. You know, remember what the Lord has done in your life. Thank him for what he's going to do in your life. And praise him anyway. If nothing happened in your life, you know, that you think the way you want it to happen. We should be the people that praise the Lord. Oh, bless our God, you people, the Bible says. And make the voice of his praise to be heard, you know, not praising the Lord like, oh God, I don't know what to do. Help me, Jesus. You know, no, we should praise the Lord in such a way that everybody can hear us praising the Lord. Remember in the book of Nehemiah, in Nehemiah chapter 12, in verse 43, it says that also that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and the children also rejoice so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard afar off. Sometimes Christians, they worship the Lord. And you know, your favorite song, come on or something. You That's my song, you know. And our worship should be almost in a sense that people know that we're worshiping God. It says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. It didn't say you had to sing so great, but make a joyful noise unto the Lord, that there is a joy. And then it says in verse five, Asaph, the chief, and next to him, Zechariah, Giel, Shemiramoth, Shemiramoth means fame of the highest, Jehiel, Mattathiah, which means um, gift of Jehovah, Eliab, Eliab, Benaiah, Opit, Edom, G-I-L, with stringed instruments and harps, but Asaph made music with cymbals. Benaiah and Jehaziel, the priests, regularly blew the trumpets before the ark of the covenant of God. And it says, on that day, David first delivered this psalm into the hand of Asaph and his brethren to thank the Lord. Now from verse 8 down to verse 22, we have these first 15 verses recorded in Psalm 105 verses 1 through 15. And when we go further down, we'll see from verses 30, from verses 23 to 33, we'll have Psalm 96 verse 1 through 13 when you go all the way down to verse 33 and by the time you get to verse 34 is another psalm added in there you'll have psalm 106 verse 1 and psalm 106 the rest of it verse 47 and 48 if you had a bible you'll you could just pull it up and say oh this matches the psalms you know, which is real interesting. So on this day, David delivered this psalm into the hand of Asaph and his brethren to thank the Lord. And here's the psalm, to thank the Lord. And all of us should sing this psalm, you know. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. This is being, you know, the song. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him sing psalms to him, talk of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. They didn't even know his name. They, they spelled his name, you know, we spell it in the English Y-H-V-H. In the Hebrew language, it's only consonants. There's no vowels. So it says glory in his holy name, let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. You know, is Yahweh. It comes from the verb that means to exist, to be. Or this is, plus, its usage shows that this is a name stressing God to be independent and a self-existing God. God of revelation and redemption. He's called, you know, you know Genesis 4, 3, Exodus 6, 3. He's a God of revelation and the God of redemption. And they didn't know his name. You know, could you imagine having it? Because remember, you know how we know they didn't know his name? Remember when Moses was at the burning bush? Moses said in Exodus chapter 4, he says, Who should I say is sending me? So he didn't know his name. And you know, when you look at the old Ten Commandments movie, you know, with, you know, Charles and Heston and that voice and that look phony fire, he says, I am who I am. Say I am, send you. You know, and th- so they didn't know his name. So what they did in Israel, they described God by his attributes. So they would say Jehovah Elohim Yazrael, Ye- or Jeho- Jehovah Elohim of Israel, the Lord, the God of Israel. That's from Judges chapter five and Isaiah seventeen six. Or oh, they would call him Jehovah Ra'ah, which means the Lord is my shepherd. Psalm twenty three one. They would call him Jehovah Tiskanu, which means the Lord is my righteousness. In Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 6, Jehovah Tiskanu, Jehovah Jireh. We know that name from when God told Abraham, take thy son, thy only son, whom you love Isaac, take him to Mount Moriah. And, you know, offer him as a burnt offering. And when Abraham was ready to strike Isaac with that knife, uh, it was a ram thickened in the bush band, you know. And it says, wait, hold it, hold it. And he called that place Jehovah-Jireh, the Lord who provides. Jehovah Nissi, remember when, when they was holding up I'm um, not Ab, Moses' arms? When they were in battle in Exodus 17, it was like the Lord is our banner. They didn't know his name. They just described what he did. Jehovah is our banner. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is our peace. You know, Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. That's a military figure portraying the Lord as the commander of the armies of heaven in Samuel. 1 Samuel 17, 45. 1 Samuel 1, 3. So they didn't know his names. Or they would say El Elyon, the most high God. Or Adonai, Lord, supreme master or some of all these other names, El Olam, the eternal God, they didn't know his name. They just described his attributes, but that was good because whatever you need God to do, he could be that. And that's why Jesus goes through the seven I am's in the Gospel of John. I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the door. And John 8, I am. You know, he goes through all these, these I am's because whatever we need the Lord to be, he could be it. Amen? He could be it. He could be it. Our Lord is great in power, in strength, and in majesty. Whatever we need from God, he can provide. And don't you ever think that you're so much in a jam that God can't meet all of our need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He could meet every need that that we don't know about. He can meet all of our needs. I believe he can. And I know he can. And that's what David says in verse 11, seek the Lord and his strength and seek his face evermore. There is strength found only when we're seeking the Lord. Remember, and don't forget this, underline this in your Bible if you've got a tablet, highlight it. Remember his marvelous works, works which he has done. No other nation had the enemy chasing them. And he says, I don't want to go back and be enslaved again. We don't have weaponry to fight against them. If we did go back, we'll all be slaughtered. God said, well, here's the third alternative. I'll open the Red Sea. No other nation in human history had God opened a Red Sea. He opens the Red Sea. Could you imagine what that was like? He opened the Red Sea. They saw the, his marvelous works, man, they, And it was handed down from generation. We still read about the Red Sea opening. The Jordan was opened. You know, God opened the Jordan River. You know, we still read this stuff because God can do anything. Except, there's two things He can't do: He can't lie and He can't fail. Those are two things that God can't do, and He won't do. He cannot lie. It says in the book of Titus, and he cannot fail. And thank you for that. Amen? Amen. Remember his marvelous works which which he has done, his wonders, and the judgments of his mouth. Don't forget the Lord and his marvelous works in your own life. Look, remember his marvelous works, not ours because we don't have anything apart from him, but his wondrous works. The things that he's done. Did he wake you up this morning? You know, they say, woke me up this morning, started me on my way. You know, the psalmist used to say, oh, bless the Lord, all oh my soul. And forget not all of his benefits. He has made his wonderful works to be remembered in the Bible. And it says, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He's good. He is so good. Isn't God good? He is so good. And then in verse 13, he says, O seed, singular seed, of Israel his servant, you children of Jacob, his chosen ones. He's speaking to the Jews. He's called the chosen ones. (laughs) People have a problem with that. God chose Israel not because they were the greatest nation, but because they were the least of the nations. Do you know that? Because everybody in the world is either two types of people. Either you're Jew or you're Gentile. And they were chosen. And then, and then through that small, tiny nation, the Messiah would come from. Through the tribe of Judah. You know, people have a problem with it. Well, why are they the chosen people? Why are they the chosen Well, we're chosen too, but it's different. We're the body of Christ. You know, we were chosen in him before the foundation of the world. But Israel was God's chosen nation in Deuteronomy 7, for you are holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you, nor chose you because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all peoples, but because the Lord loves you, and because he, because he would keep the oath which he swore with your fathers, Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. That's why they were great. They were the smallest, the least of nations. And God did a great work through Israel. Through Israel. And it was named after Jacob because Jacob was a crooked man, remember? And he wrestled with God. And it's like Jacob, the rest of his life, he walked with a lamp. Hey, hey, Jacob, what's that? What happened to you? Where did you get that limp from? Well, I was wrestling with God one night, and he pulled it out of socket. It says they were grappling. That's what the Bible says in, the, in Hosea, that they grappled. Dust was going everywhere. And you remember Jacob sent his wives, Rachel and Leah and Zilpah, his maid, the maidservants, servants, and, and Bilhah. He sent them over the brook of Jabuk. They go over that brook. It's dark at night. He's running from Esau. And then the Lord comes and gotcha. And they're wrestling and dust going everywhere. So I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. And he says, no longer should your name be called Jacob but your name should be called Israel. Israel. That's his name. The chosen ones. And it says, he is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. His judgments are all in all the earth. You are, you know, he's, God is most high above the earth. And he's exalted above all the other false gods. And then it says in verse 15, remember his covenant forever. The word which you commanded, he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant which he made notice with Abraham and his oath to Isaac and confirmed it to Jacob for stature to Israel. Jacob's name was changed to Israel, remember? Genesis 32, 28, his name was changed to Israel. For an everlasting covenant, this is all one sentence because you see a comma in verse 15, a comma at the end of verse 16, a comma at the end of verse 17, a comma at the end of verse 18, and a period in verse 19. And he says, saying to you, I will give the land of Canaan as an allotment of your inheritance, inheritance when you were few in number indeed very few strangers in it they were small number of people they come to fight all these nations that were mightier than they were Jericho you know AI you know the Jebusites the Gergesites the Perezites and they whipped all those nations and God made this covenant with Abraham Abraham was asleep when God made this covenant because they cut the animal in the middle and you walk through. Abraham never walked through. God walked through by himself. God walked through by himself. Made a covenant with Abraham saying to your descendants, I've given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. That's what God told Abraham. It says, when you were few in number, verse 19, indeed very few, and strangers in it, when they went from one nation to another and from one kingdom to another kingdom, he permitted no man to do them wrong. Yes, he rebuked kings for their sakes, Sihon and Og, those giants and so forth, saying, and look with this verse here, because a lot of times you're in one of those, oh, I ain't going to say what kind of church, but they misuse this verse. Saying, do not touch my anointed ones. And do my prophets no harm. You ever heard somebody say, don't you touch the anointed ones of the church. Hold up. That doesn't really mean that like people, because he's not talking to the church. This is not the church. This is the Old Testament. And he says, touch not my anointed ones, plural, not singular, nor my prophets, not singular, plural, rather. Anointed ones is plural. Prophets is plural. He's not saying like the pastor, if you walk in, I'm just so, I'm so special anointed and everybody else in here, and you touch my, you touch me, you're gonna die, baby, you're gonna die. You know, it doesn't mean that. He's saying that, he says, do not touch my anoint." This is in Psalm 105, verse 15. Touch not my anointed ones, we belong to Jesus Christ. Are you anointed? We are anointed ones. We are, you know, we have the Holy Spirit living in us. First John 2.20 says that, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. So, we, you know, Christians, Christians literally, literally means little anointed ones like Christ. That's what it really means. Little anointed ones. We're not junior crisis. Like somebody said, you're a Christ. No, no. We're the body of Christ. We have the Holy Spirit living through us. That's why we know truth. Because the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us into all truth. Some people are anointed for a particular work and God says, this is the work where I'm gonna do something through that ministry, through that person. And they anointed to do that work and he specifically called them to do that particular work and he anoints that work, but it's for his plan and for what's he, what he wants to do in that particular area in that person's life, some people are anointed to sing, or some people are anointed teachers, or anointed, you know, administrators, or they just anointed. They're anointed for a particular thing that God wants to do. It's not for them to say how anointed they are. It's for what God wants to do. You can't walk around and say, oh, I'm so anointed, man. Look how anointed I am. I'm anointed, man. I'm anointed. I, every time I sing, the angels come down and touch everybody, or some weird stuff like that. No, we, we're anointed, but it's not in a sense of anointed where we're separate from what God wanna do in our life. So yeah, we're Christians, we are, we're the body of Christ. Remember Jesus was called what, the Messiah? You know, Messiah means the anointed one. He was the anointed one. And if we're the body of Christ, we're salt and light bearers to a lost and dying world. And then we have been anointed by Christ. Everybody got to live in the Holy Spirit living in them? God could use your life. every Christian has a gift that is from the Holy Spirit that they should be using you 'll never know your capacity to serve the Lord until you use your gift. Some people never use their spiritual gifts they want other gifts they think they are, but they don 't use their spiritual gifts well, I don 't want the gift of help, man I want to be anointed to be like I want to be a worship leader. I don't want that. You're not a worship leader. You're you're a good helper. You're a good administrator. You're a good something else. I didn't call you to do that. And that's how people get frustrated in stuff they try to do because God didn't call them to do it. If you're doing something over and over again, you're constantly getting frustrated. You're probably not called to do it. Even if you want to do it. He says, touch not my anointed ones, plural, and do my prophets, plural, no harm. God anointed ones are those who are appointed by God, touch them not. You know, 1 John is a good um, chapter. 1 John chapter five, verse 18, when it says, we know that whoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself and the wicked one toucheth him not. Because we belong to the Lord. There's a promise attached to those who harm God's anointed one. There's a promise. You know what that promise is? Retribution. <laughs> it's retribution. He says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. He'll get you back. We don't have to, you know, we say vengeance is mine in you know, Romans twelve nineteen, Hebrews ten thirty. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And let me tell you what I mean by that. Jesus, the Messiah, is the anointed one. Remember Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve? Remember that Judas betrayed Christ for 30 pieces of silver? And remember that it says when he came with that, that regiment of troops and so forth, and he comes and he says, The one whom I kiss, he's the one. And he says, You betrayed a son of man with a kiss? But Jesus said in the Gospel of Mark, he says, the Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed, it would have been good for that man that he had never been born. That's the retribution for touching the anointed ones. So no matter what people do to us, there's retribution. Think about all the people that put Christians to death and chambers and gas chambers and, you know, things torture them. And one day when they stand before the Lord, what do you think going to happen to them? God keeps us anointed. He keeps us. He keeps us. You know, Psalm 18 says, great deliverance he gives to his king and shows mercy to his anointed to David and his descendants forever. In Psalm 28, verse 8, the Lord is their strength and he is the saving refuge of his anointed. All of us. You know Jesus Christ? You got an anointing. You you know, God God, got something for you. Got to find out how he's going to use you. You know why people don't be used? I got a fancy Greek word why they don't want to be used because they don't want to be used. That's why people are not used by God, because they choose not to serve him. Do you, could you imagine if every Christian lived out it to the, its full, fullest capacity in serving the Lord, how different the world would look? Could you imagine that? How would the world look? I wanna know, how do you think the world would look? Crime would be down? Churches would have Wednesday night Bible studies. Like we got a you know, nice Wednesday night Bible. Churches would have studies. Most churches close down on Wednesday nights. Some pastors say, well, I would do a Bible study, but the people are not going to show up. I'm like, no, you teach the word. God will always send people. He will always send people. And so you are anointed. Touch not my anointed ones and do my prophets No harm. In verse 23 through 33, we have this also recorded in Psalm 96, verse 1, the end of that verse, 1B, through verse 13 in Psalm 96. Look what it says. Sing to the Lord, all the earth, proclaim, it says proclaim the good news in the King James. Doesn't say proclaim, but it says shell is you know shell, shoes is basar in the Hebrew, which means to be fresh, to announce, to bring and carry, or preach good tidings. He says, proclaim the good news of his salvation. Notice, from day to day. Isn't that a good verse? Proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. How many of y'all are telling people about Jesus every single day? How many of y'all say, man, I, look, I've been delivered, man, because of salvation and deliverance, those words go together. I've been delivered. The Lord saved me. The Lord saved me. The Lord, you know, most people walk past people, Christians, God has witness witnessing that person. You walk past them like you don't even see nobody. We live in a whole world almost now where you say, well, did you tell people about Jesus? Why would I tell them about Jesus? Why would I try to win them to the Lord? Why would I? He, says, he says, sing to the Lord. That's what you do first. All the earth proclaim the good news of His salvation from day to day. And I like what the Living Translation says about this verse. It says, let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Each day proclaim the good news that he saves. And Jesus is the Savior of the world. And it says, and declare, verse 24, his glory among the nations, plural, his wonders among all peoples. When the last time you told somebody that didn't know the Lord how good God is? And how the Lord has saved you and changed you? And they laugh at me sometimes when I share my testimony how I got saved. Oh, you say the same thing over and over again, but it's somebody that didn't hear it. It's somebody that didn't hear it and you don't even know. And you say, you know, Paul said the same thing and over and over again when you read this. When you read the testimonies of the saints in the New Testament, they said the same thing over and over again through all of his life. When you get to chapter 26 of Acts, he said the same thing that he said earlier. And we should have that same testimony that say, the Lord saved me. The Lord saved me. Wow, this is how he saved me. He said, well, did you tell anybody about Jesus Well, no, I don't really do that. That's for those other spiritual people that's more anointed. Who do you share Christ with? If you say, let's go street witnessing, the average person that come to church say, well, what's that? (laughs) They'll say, well, we're going out to tell people about Jesus. Well, how do you do that? What? Well, how do you tell somebody about Jesus? You say, well, we're going out on, you know, Shelton Avenue, Shelton... Avenue right around the corner, Wayne and Shelton, and we're going to stand on that corner, we're going to tell people about Jesus, and people say, well, what is that about? Why would you go tell people, why would you interrupt people day?" <laughs> this is how people think. Let me tell you something, church, so we don't never get to this place. Don't be so internal-driven that you miss that God called you to go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. In Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Don't love the indoors so much, because let me tell you what happened. When they started loving the indoors so much, they started loving the indoors so much, it was all about the body of Christ, and it is first. But they just only focused on the body of Christ, and that was it. That was the only job that the church started doing. Oh, let's have our chicken dinners together. Oh, who's the next baby shower? Who's the next this? One? Oh, man, this, this is a wonderful church. The bowling club, they got in it. I love that church. They got the bowling club. Oh, man, they got the tennis for the kids. Oh, God, the tennis for the They got, man, they got, I can't believe it. They got miniature golf in the back of the church. Praise the Lord. And God is saying, No, 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 no. We're supposed to go in the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And if you don't do that, you know what he did to the church? They got scattered. He raised up Saul of Tarsus. And this is, he made havoc of the church. And the church was scattered. And this is, and they went everywhere preaching. If you don't want to preach, God will get his word through us one way or the other. And this is a great persecution arise, And then they killed Stephen, remember? Stephen stood before the Sanhedrin and preached this message. Shut his eyes, was in earth one second, and was in heaven the next. But Saul made havoc of the church. It has to be a balance in the church. We're supposed to take care of the body of Christ. But it has to be that balance that we should still be winning lost people to Jesus Christ. That's the balance. And when we do that, the Lord does something to us. Declare his glory among the nations, his wonders among all peoples. Verse 25, for the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He's also noticed to be feared above all gods. You know, because the Bible says the fear of the Lord is clean. You know, they sang the song of Moses, the servant of God, and sang the song of the Lamb, saying, great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints, in Revelation. It says, for you, verse 26, for all the gods of the peoples, notice, are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Isn't that interesting how that verse. you? Think about what this verse is saying. All the gods of the peoples are idols because they made by man's hands. But it says, but the Lord made the heavens something that could never be made by man's hands. All the gods of the peoples are idols, all the idols of the gods of this earth shall what, perish. Jeremiah the prophet stated in Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 11 and 12, that they're just dumb idols. But the Lord, here's Jehovah, which is equivalent to the New Testament name for Lord Karios. This is Jesus is called Lord over 108 times in the New Testament. So, Lord and Jehovah, Kyrios, is the same equivalence. He is Lord. Jesus is Lord, Paul writes that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created that are in heaven, or that are in earth, invisible, invisible, whether thrones, dominions, or principalities and powers, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist, and he is the head of the body, of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence, he is the creator. Creator. Jesus is. He's a creator. We have a faithful, you know, 1 Peter 4.19. We got a faithful creator. That's what it says in 1 Peter 4.19. A faithful creator. But the Lord made the heavens. How many of y'all can make some heavens in here? But I bet you can make a little statue and overlay it with gold and bow down to it. You know how dumb that was to go out there and cut a tree down. Get the wood, make a nice table, your kids eating cereal from the table, yeah. and then you make some chairs out of it, oh man. And in the same wood, you take an overlay it with some gold or something and bow down and say, oh, you're the god of cereal or something. The Romans had a god called Bacchus, the god of wine. And in Egypt, they had so many different gods, heck, You know, half falcon, half man. You know, Ra, the sun god. You know, anything in the Ten Commandments you see that when in Moses when God destroyed all these different things, those ten plagues, it was one of their gods they believed in. They believed in the Nile. (laughs) Could you imagine a river got power? How dumb does that sound? You know why? It sounds dumb because we would never believe in a piece of wood or a piece of stone. But we make other idols. You start them up, cars, homes, you know, good jobs, careers. We make idols out of the, some other stuff, too. Because you say, well, I would do this, but my job is first. Jesus is first. Your job is not first. Jesus is first. Then your job. You know, some people say, no, my job is first, man. No, I don't care what you say. He gave you the, the job. I was going to say, dumb job, but that's not nice. The job. he gave you the job but the Lord made the heavens 27 verse 27 honor and majesty are before him strength and gladness are in his place give to the Lord notice O families of the peoples give to the Lord that's Jehovah glory and strength give to the Lord this is a song the glory due his name. Remember in Revelation chapter four when it says you are worthy O Lord to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created he says give the Lord glory due his name bring an offering and come before him oh worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. David would write one of his psalms. "Is give unto the Lord, O you mighty ones. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory do his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. In Psalm 29, verse 2. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The life is set aside. You worship him in the beauty of holiness. You don't have any sin in your life. David said, look, when I come to the Lord in prayer, He said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord can't hear me. He says, the Lord can't hear me. He don't even hear me. And then in the next verse, Psalm 66, um, 19, he says, surely the Lord has heard me. He says, surely the Lord has heard me because I don't have no iniquity in my heart. It says, tremble. This is all revere, all reverence. The fear of the Lord is clean, Psalm 19, 9. Fear before him tremble rather all the earth the world also is firmly established it shall not be moved let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad and let them say among the nation nations the Lord reigns this earth we know doesn't want the Lord to reign you know that and he's going to reign All of us are going to to be in Jerusalem one day. If you've never been to Israel, we'll be in Israel when we come back with the Lord with our glorified bodies on. We'll be in Israel. We'll come back with the Lord. We'll rule and reign. You know, Revelation chapter 19, verse 6, it says, I heard, and I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia. That's the Greek way of saying, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Halah, ha, ah, Yahweh, praise Yahweh. Hallelujah For the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Omnipotent, all potent, all powerful. He reigns, and oh, that we wish that the world would come together and say, "Oh, the omnipotent God, He reigns. God reigns. He, he He can reign in every government in the whole world, and the world would change." Omnipotence. It says, "Let the sea roar." Notice, and all is fullness. Let the field rejoice. And all that is in it, notice, then the trees of the woods shall rejoice. And I wonder how the trees will rejoice. And we know that in Isaiah 55, chapter 11, it says they're going to be clapping. You know, it says even creation, in in Romans chapter 8, it says even creation is like a crane on its tippy toes waiting for the Lord to come back. You imagine when the Lord come back and rain, all the greenery is going to change. It says the lion will sit with the lamb. The only way you can get a lion to sit with a lamb after he ate him up and it's in his stomach and he's tired. (laughs) That's the only way. It says, then the trees of the woods shall shall rejoice before the Lord. This is the millennium. Nature will be singing in the millennium. Before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. Revelation chapter 19. He's coming back to judge the world. We'll be back with them, riding on horses. If you don't know how to ride a horse, you're going to be on one that day. That's going to be a wonderful day. All of us clothed in white, you know. On horses. And verse 34 through 36 is Psalm 106 verse 1 and then the other part of Psalm 106, verse 47 and 48. He put these four verses together, or these three verses together, and it's from the Psalms. He says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Is the Lord good to you tonight? He's good. You know, and everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. He is good, for his mercy Uh, It is 248 times in the Old Testament means his goodness, his kindness, his faithfulness, his long suffering, his mercy endures forever. 43 times in the King James Version of the Bible says his, his mercy endureth forever. 26 times in Psalm 136, it says, his mercy endures forever. They will sing one line, then the other part of the choir will say, his mercy endures forever. One line, his mercy endures forever. One line, his mercy endures forever. You got to know that his mercy endures forever. Psalm 100, the last verse, his mercy endures forever. Some people just skip through the Psalms, they don't even read the Psalms. They'll just read like a little, you know, they'll read the 23rd Psalm or if they're having a bad day, they'll look for, you know, some psalm. Or early in the morning, I seek you, my soul, thirsty in a dry and thirsty place. And they'll read, you know, they'll read some of the psalms. But the psalms have some good stuff because they're songs written by people that went through stuff. And this ain't no love song like no Teddy Pendergrass or Barry White or whoever else y'all listen to today. I don't even know who they sing. It's really The the singers are scarce today, but, you know, they have all these love songs back in the day about somebody, it's a sad day when Toby ran away, and I I never knew what that meant anyway. You know, (laughs) keep on running, Toby. (laughs) You know, and we just think about all these different, you know, love songs. You know, you hear a song that brings you back to, when I remember when I used to be with Johnny, and and people's songs do a lot to people. Israel hymn, note was the scriptures. So every song they sung, it was the word of the living God. His mercy endures forever. And say, verse 35, save us, O God of our salvation. Gather us together. You know, being raptured to heaven is the ultimate gathering for the believer. And deliver us from the Gentiles, that's the ungodly and the heathen, to give thanks to your holy name, to triumph in your praise, blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. You know, there's a verse in Psalm 41, verse 13 that says, blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Amen, amen. It's almost the exact same verse. Here it says, blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. All the people said, amen, and praise the Lord. In Psalm one hundred three, it says, "But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him, and his righteousness unto children's children." Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. All the people say, "Amen." Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Isn't that interesting? Praise ye. The Lord! And then, you know, he gives this to Asaph, you know, because it, this started off in verse seven, you know, when he says, on that day, David first delivered this psalm into the hand of Asaph and his brethren to thank the Lord. Did David write it? Because when you read Psalm 106 and some of those psalms, they almost called it orphan songs. They said they don't know who wrote them. It seemed like David must have wrote it and gave it to these guys. So really, when you go from verse eight all the way down to verse 36, the songs, Now it goes, the narrative is almost that was suspended in verse 7. Now he picks back up on Asaph because if you read verse 7 of this chapter, it says, on that day David first delivered this psalm into Asaph's hand, the hand of Asaph and his brethren, to thank the Lord. Then the next verse, verse 37, it says, so he left Asaph. Five men in the Bible named Asaph. Five of men, meaning, you know what Asaph's name means? God has gathered. God has gathered. But this is the Asaph who was the family, it's five different men in Asaph. But this Asaph wrote Psalm 50, he wrote Psalm 73 through Psalm 83. This is that Asaph, a songwriter. This is the same family that after the Jews came out of Babylonian captivity, 128 singers from this family conducted the singing when the foundations of the second so-called temple went up, or it's called Zerubbabel's temple. When they laid the foundation, this was the group that sung, Asaph. Ezra chapter two, verse 41, and then um, Ezra three ten, it's important to note that because Ezra wrote the Chronicles, but he also wrote Ezra chapter two, verse forty one, and Ezra three ten. And so Ezra knew he was talking about Asep him and his brothers, and his brothers before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to to minister before the Ark regularly, as every day's work required. Do you minister to the Lord regularly? It's required of us to worship the Lord. He inhabits the praises of his saints. You skip days worshiping the Lord. You skip days reading the Bible. You skip days serving the Lord. I say, Lord, I'm gonna serve you. When you go to work, that's ministry. You should be a light at work. It says, let your light so shine before men that they can see your good deeds and glorify your Father who's in heaven. We should be a light at work wherever we are. We should be a light. You say, Well, I don't want to be a light today. I'm mad at these people, this crazy job. No, you get to be a light. Because we have the spirit living in us. And it says, and Obek Edom with his 68. So he left Asap, rather, and his brothers there before the ark of the covenant of the Lord to minister before the ark regularly as every day's work required. And Opet Edom with his 68 brethren, including Opet Edom, the son of Jaduthan. Jaduthan means praising one. There are at least three men in the Bible with the name, with this name, Opet Edom. But these two are Levites here. These this other Obeg, eighty including Obeg the son of Juduthan, and Husa, Ahosa, which means refuge, to to be gatekeepers. All oh, those chosen as gatekeepers were about two hundred and twelve. We know that from first Chronicles nine twenty-two. Gatekeepers. Doorkeepers. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in a tent of wickedness. I'd rather do anything in the Lord than to be at a bad bar. Y'all understand that? Or somewhere, someplace, I don't have no business being. I'd rather be in the house of the Lord. And Christians, they crack me up when they're trying to be cool and go back out in the world. They say, I'm tired of the church, man. The people in the church, they made me mad. I'm going back out there. I don't like those church people. I don't, I don't deal with them. I don't, no, they're all hypocrites. Oh, that bar make you talking to taking all your money and getting that big tip is a hypocrite too, but you're willing to pay her. Nobody, you ever heard anybody say, oh man, they hypocrites at the Sixers game. they all hypocrites. they hypocrites at the Eagles game. I ain't nothing but some hypocrite. Every time I go to the Eagles, there's nothing but hypocrites there. You ever heard anybody say that? Oh, it's hypocrites at the Philly game, man. Every time I go to the Philly, there ain't nothing. nothing but a bunch of hypocrites there. You won't hear nobody say that. It's only in the church. And then somebody will get mad at the church, lead a church, go out in the world. As they get out in the world, they realize that the world is not as nice as you thought it was. Are you trying to be cool in some bar with your hood on, you don't nobody know? And somebody say, don't you go to that church down there? Not this church, don't say this church, but the other church. And you looking at them, they say, and then you're forced to tell the truth for lie." I don't think you, and then you try to use fancy words. I don't think you know me. They say, I didn't ask you that. Did you go to that church? No, I do not go to that church. And then you go deeper and deeper into the world, and the world sort of makes you think that it loves you. It gives you the impression that it loves you. It gives you the impression that it cares about you. It gives you the impression that it can meet all the needs that you have and it can fix your problems. Let me tell you something. The world cannot fix any of our problems. Do you understand that? The world will never be fixed until Jesus comes back and rule and reigns. It will never, ever be fixed. Never. So I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. I'd rather be. I'd rather be in a place where I know, Lord, Christians are not perfect, but man, ain't better than what I experienced. And I've been out in the world for a long time before I came to Jesus Christ. Young and long, I say that. And it wasn't good. So if you want to go back out there, I'm telling you now, it ain't worth it. You know, it's almost like, remember the story, this is a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said, Father, give me the portion of good that falleth unto me. And that many days after, he divided unto them his livelihood. And he went and wasted all of his money, riotous living, and, this is, and he spent all, he was so messed up, he would gladly join himself as a citizen to that country. Nobody gave him nothing. He was willing to eat the slop, the hus that the hogs eat. And the Bible says, but when he came to himself... He said, how many of my father's servants had bread enough to spare and I'm here perishing with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and say, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants. I've sinned against heaven and sinned against you. I'm no worthy to be called your son. And he came running home and the father saw him. He didn't see the father, but the father saw him from afar and ran to him, kissed him on his neck. You know, we would have never did that Come back where you came from, boy. Messed up all my money, smelling like pork chops. You know, we would have did that. The father ran on him, kissed him on his neck, he said, This son of mine was lost, now he's found. Don't go back out there, there's nothing out there. If you a girl and you meet a guy and he don't know Jesus Christ, tell him to keep on walking while he's talking. God, praise the Lord, brother. God bless you. Because they'll they go after women, single women. So you'd be like someone, some guy, saying on the right to, well, look, I'll go with you to church on Easter. Or something, he he's so sweet, he' going with me Easter. You don't settle for that. Well, you don't know what women go through, man. Oh, it's not enough men in the church, man. Well, who cares? You only want one anyway. How are you counting for it? And, you know, the world try to suck people in and they'll put you up against a trap like, oh, this is the end of your life because you don't have this. And this is the end of your life because you don't have that. And people say, well, I'm out of that church. I'm out of it. And then they say, that church, I hate those people there. And you go right out in the world and you realize, no, those people wasn't that bad after all. The enemy is a liar. I'd rather be a gatekeeper and whenever, whenever we're praising the Lord with a pure heart, that's the place of refuge for all of us. That's the place of refuge. When you come broken before the Lord, that's the person He can fix. The person that's honest before the Lord. We are some of the most dishonest people in the body of Christ than anywhere in the world. You ask someone, how you doing? Fine, everything great. And their life is torn from the floor up. Oh, everything is wonderful. Everything is great. Yeah, everything's great. And then they leave out of me. I ain't displaced, man. These people crazy. I trying to get in my business. No, I ain't trying to get in your business. People love you. They love you. And here are these men. They are, these are men that would minister, you know, regularly, you know, before the ark. You know, what a job. What a, what a, what a privilege it is to come to Bible study on a Wednesday night and to see people show up. That's almost no as foreign in this world today. That people realize it's not about like me. It's about like, no, I get a chance to get refueled in the middle of the week so the Lord can still keep speaking to me. He said, praise the Lord. I'm glad to be here. every Wednesday nights, I, I, I can't wait to get to church. I told you that story before. When I was a brand new Christian, I never missed Bible study. And at the church I was at, they used to give you a a reward. If you made Bible study, you got a reward. Every year that I was there, I got that reward. I never missed Bible study. They said, Mark Abrams, come on down. I was like, yes, that's right. The price is right. You know, I got my one. (laughs) I wasn't missing Bible study. Faithfulness, fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. And it says, in Hosah to be gatekeepers. Notice, and Zadok the priest and his brothers, and his brethren, the priests, before the tabernacle of the Lord at the high place that was at Gibeon. Gibeon was a city in the territory of Benjamin, it was about six miles northwest of Jerusalem. To offer burnt offerings to the Lord on the altar of burnt offering regularly, notice, morning and evening. And to do according to all that is written in the law, notice, of the Lord, which he commanded Israel. This is the law of the Lord. It didn't say the law of Moses. Isn't that interesting? Same difference, I'm almost thinking. But the law of the Lord may expand even more. All of his Bible. All the Bible that they had written at that particular time. This is in Zadok, the priest, in verse 39, and his brethren. You know, Zadok, the sons of Zadok, if you study your Bible carefully, and I think you should be a careful Bible student and studying the word of God. When you read about Zadok, when we get to the millennium kingdom, in Ezekiel chapter 40, verse 46, in Ezekiel chapter 43, verse 19, in Ezekiel 44, verse 15, and Ezekiel 48, verse 11, you will see the name, the sons of Zadok. because they didn't compromise, you will see them in the millennium kingdom offering sacrifices to the Lord, not sacrifices for sin. They're gonna be sacrifices more for, I'm thinking, thanksgiving to the Lord because Christ is gonna be there. He already paid for our sins. But these are the sons of Zadok. They're descendants of Aaron. They will be there during the kingdom age. And it says this is always written in the law of the Lord. It doesn't say the law of Moses. But here Ezra says, the law of the Lord, because the law of the Lord is perfect, converting in soul, making wise. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise is simple. And we know that. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Walking in God's word. He says, to do all according that is written in the law of the Lord in verse 40. Which he commanded Israel, does it say he suggested to Israel? In the King James Version of the Bible, the word law is used 523 times. Lawful is used 39 times. Laws, with an S, 20 times. Augustine wrote this. He said, The law orders that we, after attempting to do what is ordered, And knowing our weakness under the law may learn to implore the help of grace. The law heightens our weakness so that we might seek the strength found only in Jesus Christ. The law was a schoolmaster who leads us to Jesus Christ, of course, as in Galatians 3.24. So the law is like a mirror. The law of God reflects and mirrors the perfection and of a righteous and holy eternal God. The law tells us much about who God is. More importantly, the law illuminates human sinfulness. So listen to this. The law is like this. If you look in the mirror and you got mustard on your shirt, and it's a bunch of mustard on a white shirt, and you look in the mirror, does the mirror clean the mustard off your shirt? The mirror shows you that you got mustard on your shirt. The law showed us that we were sinners and we desperately needed a savior. The law is good. The law law is clean. It's pure. It's righteous. nothing wrong with the law. It was something wrong with us. It was something wrong with us. Right after God gave them the, the, the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue, he put right in place a sacrificial system. Because we needed the blood of Christ, the propitiation of God's blood, to cleanse us from our sins. Christ became the propitiation for our sins. 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, and 1 John 2, 2. He became the propitiation. The only sacrifice that could could appease the wrath of Almighty God for the sin of the world was placed on Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. The only sacrifice. So they offered burnt offerings to the Lord because the burnt offering was completely consumed on the altar of burnt offering regularly morning and evening to do according to all that was written in the law of the Lord, which he commanded Israel. And with them, notice, He Man, what a name. Now, I thought it said Herman, but that's He Man. First, you look at it, you think it's going to have a little R in it. No, He Man, which means faithful. And Jaduthan, which means praising one, and we need to be around people who are faithfully worshiping and praising the Lord. Jaduthan and He Man and the rest who were chosen, not voted in, not a quorum, not some board meeting they had to choose who was going to be there, but they were chosen. This is the Lord's doing because look, you are chosen. All of a sudden, you know Jesus Christ, you've been chosen. You say, well, where is that in the Bible? I don't have it. No, no, no. Remember Peter? Peter said this, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priest of the holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into what? His marvelous light. You're chosen. You know why you're chosen? It's God's divine prerogative. That's why we should be so excited about following Jesus Christ. If he chose us in himself before the foundation of the world, you read 2 Timothy 1 9, and he said, He chose us to be holy, and and he chose us, doesn't mean that he really wanted us to be a part of this. God didn't look at one of us, oh man, I made a mistake. I can't believe I chose little Johnny. He didn't make a mistake like that. He chose us because he wanted to choose us. That was his divine choosing. He said, What are you talking about, Calvinism or Arminianism? I'm talking about neither. I'm talking about the Bible. He chose us. And whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So both are right. How do you know you're saved? He cried out to the Lord. He said, Lord, forgive me my sins. And he came and he lived in your heart through the person of the Holy Spirit. And then, then you found out, oh, I was chosen before him in the foundation of the world. Nobody walks around that don't know Jesus Christ and says, oh, by the way, I'm going to keep on Sunday because I know I'm chosen from the foundation of the world. You didn't know that until you came to Christ. That's how you figured it out. And here it says, these men, they were chosen who were designated by name to give thanks to the Lord, we are too, because his mercy endures forever. And with them, He man and Juduthun, to sound aloud with trumpets and cymbals and the musical instruments, notice, of God. Notice, the mu- musical instruments of God. Now the sons of Juduthan were gatekeepers. I love this. Then all the people departed Every man to his house. There's a time to worship publicly, and there's a time to go home and worship there. But we should be worshipers. We should be worshipers. We shouldn't be these people with children or you. you see some Christians, you walking hey, how you doing? And and am just trying to make it in this old world. Hell no, I'm gonna make it, boy. Well, how everything going? This is horrible. The world, look at the news too much. You meditate on the news too much, you'll be all kind of all over the place. You know, the news is really horrible because it's bad news. And I have one little snippet of something good right when it's going off. Johnny just donated $200 to the kids' club, and then, dun, 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 and it's off. But the other 30 minutes or so, hour and a half or whatever, you're hearing all nothing but bad news. It should not be so for the believer because the Bible talks about that. It's nothing that matters with having information, but know how to translate that information in the right place. And some information you may need to know. We should understand the times, like the sons of Issachar. We should know what's going on in the world. But not in a way where it's like infiltrating our thoughts and we just got all we meditate on. A, oh, man, did you hear this new, this coming out now. Oh, my God, they got the elephant foot mouth disease now. Watch yourself. And, you know, and you just walking around. People walking around like, don't you touch me. Say, hey, how you, don't hug me, brother. I don't hug nobody no more. This is the world we live in today. Everybody's scared. People get scared so much easier now. Y'all see those little clips on YouTube when the guy be like a green plant or something and people walk by and say, gotcha, they go ah, God. You know, they go fall over, almost killing themselves. This is the world we live in. There's a time to worship. We should be worshipers. Our mind, let your mind be on those things which are above. We should be worshiping the Lord. Stop worrying. You know, we're the worriest people in the world, worrying all the time about this and about that. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen anyway, I'm sure. Every man to his house. And David returned. Notice he goes home to bless his house. He wanted his house to be a blessing too. You go to this psalm, you start thinking, you said, man, you mean to tell me they had all these songs in here with all this other stuff in here that's for us to understand that we should be worshipers. We should be the people that worship the Lord, the one. You know, this is one of the higher climactical points in Israel's history right here. David, you know why? Because King David was a man at the God's own heart and it was lived out and God could live through a nation when there's obedience, through the leadership. He's not an irresponsible shepherd. You go through the Bible, you see all about irresponsible shepherds. When you read Isaiah 50:6-10, um, you read Ezekiel, you read Jeremiah, parts Jeremiah 23. You know, irresponsible shepherd. He was a good shepherd, and God was using the nation of Israel to be a light unto the whole entire world because they had the right king at this particular time in history. It wouldn't be till later when David fall. But there was some golden years under King David that the nation has never saw. How many of y'all want to worship the Lord more this year? Let's give the Lord a big hand tonight. You love the Lord. That's really a dead clap. Let's give the Lord a clap like you love the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Because you know why The church is becoming so almost like, oh, don't clap in the church no more. Don't do this. Oh, don't do that. That's just nonsense. Where did people get that from? I like the quiet in the church. And I like, where did people get that from? It's not going to be quiet in heaven. Where did you get that from? It's not going to be quiet in heaven. Oh, the Holy Spirit speaks so much more in his quiet. He can. But he can speak to our hearts no matter what's going on around us. Because it's not with the, eye, with the ear that we can hear the Holy Spirit. It's with the heart. It can be noises, whatever, and if God wants to speak to you, he's going to speak to you. It's almost like this orthodoxy, almost, almost kind of infiltrated into Calvary in this sense, too. Like, you've got to be nice and quiet. You know, the music can't be that loud. It can't be that low. Can't. That's nowhere in Calvary's movement, not even in our distinctives. I don't know where people get that from. It's preference. Look, let us not become like a denomination, amen? amen? This is a movement. This is a movement. It's not a denomination. The Holy Spirit should just all stand up and look up in the air. It's all stand up and look in the air, I guess. I don't know. But follow the Holy Spirit, not what you prefer. Follow Jesus Christ and what the Spirit is doing. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Not what you think the Lord is saying. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand up as we pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your love for us. Lord, never let us become religious people that we got it down so packed the right way, the right song, the right Lord. It's just becomes nonsense but Lord let us be open to you Lord as you move in our hearts Lord you will never do nothing out of order because you're a God of order but you never called us to be (laughs) what we think we need to be Father speak to our hearts speak to our hearts our whole heart Lord we love you Lord we honor you we praise you Keep us in the hour we live in. The world is falling apart, Lord. While the world is far falling apart, let us stand firm, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, Lord, that we stand firm on the foundation of the word of the living God. So, Lord, you keep us in these days we live in, Lord. You are going to do something great in this nation, Lord? I, will want to be, I want to be a part of it. I want to see you do it, Lord. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's sing this last song together.